Welcome to In the Spotlight, a regular podcast from the Witham, Barnard Castle's Community Arts Centre. Hello, welcome along once again. Stuart Laundy with you here with In the Spotlight, the podcast from the Witham, Barnard Castle's Community Arts Centre here in County Durham. A busy old show for you this week. Coming up a little bit later, I'll be chatting to comedian Joe Caulfield ahead of her gig at the Witham a little later this month. Jane Woodward will be along as usual to tell us what's coming up in the next few days and also a bit further ahead as well. But to kick off with, we're heading to the theatre. Make yourself comfortable, George. I'll only keep you a minute. Uh, George, how old are you? Uh, I'm 16, almost 17. And what do you want to do after school's over? Why, you know, Pa. I want to be a farmer on Uncle Luke's farm. Ah, you'll be willing, will you, to get up early and milk and feed the stock? And you'll be able to hoe and hay all day? Sure I will. What do you... what do you mean, Pa? Well, George, I was in my office today and I heard a funny sound. What do you think it was? It was your mother chopping wood. There you see your mother getting up early, cooking meals all day long, washing and ironing, and she still has to go out in the back and chop wood. I suppose she got tired of asking you. She just gave up and decided it was easier to do it herself. And you, you eat her meals, and you put on the clothes she keeps nice for you, and you run off and play baseball, like she's some hired girl we keep around the house, but that we don't like very much. A sneak preview of the Castle Players' forthcoming production, which is called Our Town. It'll be performed in Richmond and the Witham as well in November. And I popped over to Startforth Community Centre, where the players were hard at work rehearsing and caught up with director Gordon Duffy McGee and asked him to explain all about it. So it's a bit of a departure for us, really. It's an American play. It was written in 1938 by Thornton Wilder. It's hugely popular and famous in America particularly, because probably every school child has done it or been in it or seen it, and lots of people do it very, very regularly. It won the Pulitzer Prize for drama back in 1941, I think it was. And it's a huge challenge for us as the Castle Players because it involves us dusting off our best American accents. I was just about to and, ask whether, uh, you were gonna, when, whether you were going to get your, your American accents Yeah, out. I think I'm in it as well, so I'm sort of just one side of Robert De Niro in the Bronx at the moment, <laughs> so I'm working hard with the, the voice coach to try and get myself back on the same continent. Good stuff. Um, what made you decide this was a good fit for the Castle players? Um, I was in it years and years ago in America when the Falklands War started, and it was a real eye-opener of a, of a community production that just seemed to highlight some of the key community spirit feelings that people come out of um, crises and then they want to rediscover and post-COVID and post-our sort of departure from the bows with a summer production, it felt like the right type of play just to bring everybody together, get as many people who wanted to be in a show as possible in it and just doing a good well-structured, well-written play for different audiences to see something different of the Castle Players, really. So although it was written quite some time ago, its themes are yep, quite pertinent it's eternal. It's, it's life and death, birth and death. It starts with the birth of twins and it ends in a graveyard. So it's the complete cycle of the things that we all go through in life. And what sort of cast have you got? Is it a big cast for this one? Yeah, or? we're sort of 17, 18. We've got some really good young people in it, which is great for the Castle Players and for the production. We've got 
10-year-olds, we've got 15-year-olds, we've got some 12-year-olds, and that's really good for sort of opening out and uh, hopefully attracting some newer members. Excellent. And whereabouts are you performing this one? We're going to be performing at the Georgian Theatre Royal first on Friday and Saturday, the 3rd and 4th of November. And then we've got a bit of a week's gap, and then we come to the Witham for the 17th and two shows on Saturday, the 18th of November. Excellent. And how are rehearsals? I mean, we're in the early stages, I think, of rehearsals. How's things going? They're going really, really well. It's quite a complicated play. It's described as meta-theatrical. And we were just having a conversation before, uh, before we arrived about the connotations between Barbie the movie and this play. And people are producing podcasts as we speak on the similarities between both, because I don't know if you've seen Barbie. I certainly haven't. No, I'm but afraid not. They pour tea from a teapot and nothing comes out. So they drink nothing. And Barbie's been described as a very meta cinematic experience. And that's exactly what this play is. So we hear the sound of a horse arriving, delivering milk, but we don't see a horse. We see somebody pulling a wired up bridle, but there's no horse attached to it. But yet we hear clip clops and we hear a horse whinnies. And we see people pouring tea and pumping water. So there's lots of uh, unusual steps to do. It's not, a, I'll be perfectly honest, it's not a play I'm familiar with. So perhaps just give me a, a, a little outline of the plot. Uh, the plot is nothing happens three times. So it's a bit like Waiting for Godot. It is just a day in the life. Right. So we start in the early morning. We see people wake up, prepare breakfast, go about their work. But it's it, everything happens, if you know what I mean. So two young people meet each other, grow up together, begin to fall in love, get married... And then in the last act, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but there is the cycle of life completed. Right. And we sort of explore that, really. Sounds interesting. Yeah, it's a great call for us as humans to examine the everyday small things that we often overlook. Mm, very good. And just looking a little further ahead, what, what else has the players got uh, lined up for the next few months? Really excited about another Stuart and play. Those of you uh, people who listen may remember when we did Old Curiosity Shop. That was written by Stuart and We've got another of his plays called These Things Do Happen about Yorkshire farming practices in the 1930s. That's coming in the winter. And that's great because the lead role is a tractor, a Fordson N-type who narrates his version of farming life in 1930s Yorkshire. Excellent stuff. And dare I mention next summer? Next summer's been considered and <laughs> talked about as we speak. <laughs> we've got an idea and we've got loads of venues who are wanting to take us. So we're just trying to attract the right sort of play to fit the right um, venue availability that we've got now. Brilliant stuff. Gordon, wish you every success with this one. All the very best. Thank you very much, Stuart. And a quick reminder that Our Town by the Castle Players will be at the Witham on November the 17th and 18th. Tickets are on sale now. Go to the website www.thewitham.org.uk. Hi, this is Tabby from the Cafe and you're listening to In the Spotlight, the Witham's podcast. So from the stage to stand up and Joe Coalfield continues uh, an excellent lineup of comedy at the Witham, courtesy of Funny Way to Be Comedy on Saturday, October the 21st. I caught up with Joe a little earlier this week for a bit of a chinwag. So I'm joined by comedian Joe Coalfield, who is coming back to Barnard Castle again. I, I was trying to count up. I've lost track of how many times you've been to Barney. I know it was early days for Barnard Castle because it was in the village hall bit or the town ah. hall, do you call it? Parish that's Hall. The Parish Hall, that's and, at least 
10 years ago because the the Witham was being renovated then so it's probably more than 10 years ago when you first came up that's right then so I probably did that room twice and then then you got all fancy and had the Witham absolutely and then, lo- and then everyone started coming but I was one of the first <laughs> <laughs> and what keeps you coming back I mean you seem to get a good audience when you're here I I don't know what it is, whether it's me, uh, that whole uh, North Yorkshire as well, uh, all of that sort of clump of an area going up, up to the borders and that, I don't know why, is good for me, you know, and I don't, I have no rhyme nor reason why certain areas I go, oh, they come out for me there. Um, and I don't know. When you're putting a tour together, um, how much input do you have? Well, I do look at where things are because I've learned to uh, make sure because sometimes Although it's people's job to book a tour, they often don't look at a map. Um, whereas I would go, can we make these vaguely in the same area of the country? So when I'm doing Barnard Castle, I am doing sort of Annick and Berwick-upon-Tweed, and it all makes sense. It's not a and, bad little and, run, is it really? No, that's nice. And then and then uh, then on home to Scotland. So that's good. And it's one that I can actually drive instead of doing trains. So I much prefer that because then you can have little days out and tootle about and see stuff. This past few months hasn't been great for train travel, has it really? Or worse than usual, shall we say, for, for train travel with all the strikes and everything? I have. Touch wood. I've been incredibly lucky with the strikes. I think there was only once where they were striking, so I went a day early um, because I couldn't drive because I then had to go to London and that's too far for me to drive from Edinburgh. I had to go to Leeds, so Edinburgh, Leeds and then London. So I went a day early. I've had some weird journeys that have been nothing to do with strikes. That's the thing. Everyone's going, oh, the strikes are disrupting everything. I'm like, it's always being disrupted. You know, I've had the most terrible journeys where, oh, that train's broken down and then we get on this train. And I do like to travel by train. I'm a big fan of train travel if there was investment in it. Right. Let's talk about the tour show that you're doing at the moment, which is Here Comes Trouble. What's this all about? It's just me uh, talking about myself, as I always do, (laughs) Um, anything that's annoyed me. So I generally develop things from somewhere where I'm annoyed at things. And like I was in a bar and the Human League song came on, Don't You Want Me Baby? Mm. And it was a young woman behind the bar. So I said to her, uh, because it was that cocktail bar, and I said, oh, this is your song. And she would like look at me like I was crazy. And I went, oh, it's the Human League. It was a big hit in the 80s. And she said to me, well, I wasn't born in the 80s, so I don't know old music. <laughs> and I was just so shocked because I was like, well, the 80s isn't that long ago. And then I thought, oh, God, it is. It really is a long time ago to young people. Sorry. It's not a reason not to know something, you know. I thought, but I wasn't born in the 1880s, but I've heard of Beethoven. <laughs> Well, so funnily enough, we've just had China Crisis here this weekend doing their 40th oh, anniversary wow. tour. <gasps> See, yeah, 40 years. The 80s was very much my decade and it doesn't seem like 40 years ago. Oh, it really doesn't. But there are things sort of like that about getting older that, you know, do become good ground for comedy. Mm. And like my husband said to me, like when he was younger, his thing was he'd always he dreamt about being a, a, a footballer professional footballer and then he said as he got older he dreamt about being a football manager and then he said the other night he dreamt about being the guy who cuts the grass it's like oh god that's a tragedy but he was excited he said no it was a good dream because it was a ride on lawnmower 
So um, <clears throat> if, if, if things that annoy you inspire you to write comedy, mm -hmm. are you in danger or have you already become a grumpy old woman? Always been. I'm always, uh, I wouldn't say grumpy because to me that's sort of passive. Um, I would rather say angry <laughs> in a celebratory way. I like to get it out of my system because I'm not an unhappy person, you know. So I think I'm, I'm quite sort of cheerfully angry at things. But I do, I don't know why there's something in me. If everyone starts doing something, I'm like, I want to go the opposite direction. So contrary in mm. a way, um, but also I don't take things too seriously. Um, can you believe you're still doing this? I was looking down um, a list of the tour shows that you've done and you've written a new show virtually every year for the past two decades or something like this. I mean, what keeps you going? Do you know, this year's Edinburgh, new Edinburgh show, I thought I don't have a new show in me. Um, but I did. And this year, and I really enjoyed doing it as well, and this year I'm I'm saying to myself, no, I'm I'm definitely out. I don't have anything. But you can't I can't say. <laughs> I think, <laughs> oh, maybe, you know, new things. And once you start writing it and then things develop and then they develop on stage as well. There's there's nothing like people staring at you, waiting for you to say something funny to make you think of something. But it is it is quite a challenge, I think, because this year's show I did because I enjoyed the previous year so much. So I thought, right, push yourself to do another show. But, I, yeah, I can't. At the moment, I'm thinking I don't think there is a, another show in me. Unless I think of a different kind of show. But stand-up is very dense. You know, you need a lot of material for an hour. Yeah. And that's, that's quite hard. It takes a while to come up with it. Who comes to see you? I mean, uh, obviously, you've, you've been on the circuit for, for some time. So have you got an established audience? Are they the ones who come and see you? Do, you? do you find new people coming to see you? Certainly in Edinburgh, it seems to be because people say to me uh, on the way out, they say, oh, we always come and see you or we see you every year. Uh, and then other people have seen me in Edinburgh. Of course, you get people from all over the country who come to the Edinburgh Festival. So then they might see me on tour as well, or they'll say, oh, we saw you on tour. So we came. And I was just in Penzance last night, and there was people there from different parts of North Devon and Cornwall who'd come to that Penzance gig because they'd seen me. And it was several years ago, you know, about five, six mm -hmm. years ago, more maybe. Um, so they'd travelled. So, yeah, you do build up. And then uh, recommendations, you know, that particularly in Edinburgh is word of mouth because there's so many shows. You know, sometimes when you're on tour, people are coming out because, you know, it's the only thing on that night and they want to go to something. But in Edinburgh, it's definitely word of mouth recommendations. Um, how's the tour been going so far? What's the audience been like? What's numbers been like? How's it been going down? It's The first little leg was all North Yorkshire, which was, it's so funny how it goes on. Hemsley, uh, lovely art centre run by locals, Barton-upon-Humber, Pocklington, which I'd never been to before, which is really, really nice. And also I'm selling my book on the tour as well. So the publisher has arranged for whatever is a local bookshop in that area. They come and bring my book and sort of set up and we do signings and that afterwards. So that's been really nice because the local bookshops are very keen. Yeah, Some of them are going, oh, people don't even know we've got, they've, they've got a bookshop. So it's good for us. 
So that's been sort of exciting to meet them and, you know, makes it more community as well. Um, and the only place, where was it? Taunton. Now, Taunton, I didn't sell that well. And that were, and it was unfortunate because it was the biggest venue. <laughs> so you went, oh, I've really noticed. <laughs> so it was the 350 and I'd sold just over 100. So there was a lot of empty seats. Um, but the audience was really nice and they all tried to, as when I went on, they all sort of moved themselves into the middle so they were in a big lump together, which well, is better for the laughter. Yeah, so I was like, well, I wish I'd kept the lights off so I wouldn't have seen the empty seats at the side. And, of course, that would be the show that a very old friend who I hadn't seen since I was 16 or something came to the show. So I thought, oh, now she'll think I'm a terrible failure. <laughs> We're seeing all these empty seats everywhere. But it was that thing of I sort of I started very strong just because I really wanted to reassure them that it was going to be okay. You know, because they would feel awkward. They would go, oh, have we come to a, a bad show because there's not many people here? And then it was great. And the sort of feedback afterwards was really, really lovely. And it was just all being, I mean, it's nice for people to say this where they go, oh, we're just sorry, you you should have had a bigger audience. But I thought, yeah, can you not all say that? <laughs> because it <that laughs> does make me feel quite bad. But, I'm... you know, just show, I, 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 I'll give it 100% whatever. Um, and they very quickly were right on board and just start, you know, and enjoyed it because I'm aware that they can be a little self-conscious, but it was absolutely great. Oh, good stuff. But I'm not um, going back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joe, we'll call time there. Thank you ever so much for joining us on the podcast. And you can catch Joe Caulfield. Here comes Trouble at the Witham on October the 21st. She's on stage at eight o'clock. And please make sure there's more than 100 there. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, this is Sheila. Hi, this is Jim. And we're volunteers. And you're, you're listening, listening to In the Spotlight, Spotlight the Witham's podcast. The always entertaining Joe Caulfield there. It's good to see her coming back in a couple of weeks' time. And speaking of natural-born entertainers, here's Jane Woodward. Hello, Jane. Oh, hello, Stuart. Wow, what an introduction. You've got a lot to live up to this week. <laughs> I know, I don't think I can compete with Joe Caulfield, though, or the oh. Castle Players. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> right, um, something that's coming up next year. This is a biggie, isn't it? It is a biggie, yes. The Three Degrees. The Three Degrees. The Three Degrees. Their 60th anniversary tour. Yeah, that'll be about right. Big in the 60s and still continuing mm -hmm. to fill halls this very day. They are. So it's Valerie Holiday, Freddie Poole and Tabitha King coming with a live four-piece band Friday the 8th of March next year. What a cracking night that's going to be. Yep, there are only 20 meet and greet tickets. So mm. I'm sure they'll be snapped up first. And then obviously there's um, it'll be a 250-seated gig. But I think it will sell out pretty quick. Yeah, absolutely. That's quite yeah. a name to get, isn't it? Fancy it that. is, yeah. it is. Isn't Apparently it's King Charles III's favourite group. Oh, and now I remember that rings a bell. I've read that somewhere before. Mm. I'm pretty sure um, Elton John of Dire Straits were Princess Dies back in the day. Mm. Mm. Yeah. From, uh, from what yeah. I remember. Anyway, yes. enough of that. So that's the three degrees. What a great thing to kick off this little section with there. <laughs> so that's the three degrees. And uh, what have we got coming up next week then? We have, on Monday the 9th of October, the Music Scholars from Barnard Castle School. So this is uh, their first concert of the academic year. 
Ah, now I remember this from last year. They're very, very good, and it is really eclectic. Yeah. So if you fancy, you know, if you're twiddling your thumbs on a Monday night and mm-hmm. uh, you don't want to get stumped by only Connect again, <laughs> there speaks the voice of experience. <laughs> get yourself along. Um, like I say, it's a really eclectic collection of music. You'll hear everything from heavy rock, probably, to classics. Because um, I remember I was there last year. It was really good. Mm. Excellent. Yeah. So that's Monday night. What's what? What else? Tuesday night, Tuesday the 10th of October, we're continuing with music. We've got Irish folk legend Andy Irvine. Mm. He was the founding member of Sweeney's Men and Usher's Island. And he's coming along to sing and play his guitar at 7.30. Very good. Not a man, not a, not, not a name that I know, I must be honest. I'll, uh, I'll have to get on the old no. streaming channels and, uh, and have a yeah. listen to what sort of things he does. He's a folk legend, Stuart. So, I'm you know, folkies out there will, will definitely know Absolutely. who he is. That's more, yes, I was just pointing to my ignorance rather than anything <laughs> else there. <laughs> then we've got a bit of a, a big name comedian, haven't we, later on in the week? We have, yes, with another musical connection. So this is Stephen K. Amos. Mm. He's coming um, Thursday the 12th of October with his comedy show Oxymoron. Uh, That's a brand new show. And he was obviously treading the boards of London's West End in the smash hit musical My Fair Lady. Ah, Professor Higgins and all that. Yes, indeed. Wouldn't it be lovely? Yes, it would. I'm not going to burst into song. I'm no. saving myself. I, I I expected as much, Stuart. I almost yes. give you a burst yeah. of the three degrees. Well, yes. But I know. as we've got the real thing coming up to finish the show tonight, <laughs> this week I thought I'd leave it be. <laughs> you can't compete. No, no, not at all, not at all. <laughs> so, what a lineup we've got in the next few days and further afield. People will want to buy tickets. Where can they get them from? They can get them by calling the box office, Stuart. On. Oh one eight double three six three double one zero seven. And if they go online www.thewitham.org.uk Brilliant stuff. Jane, thank you ever thank so much. Thank you. I've just got one question for you, Stuart. Oh, oh. When will I see you again? <laughs> <laughs> Probably this time next week. Yeah, it will be. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not the track I've picked out to play him. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> oh, well. It is their most famous hit, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I plumped for something else. Never mind. <laughs> Right, we'll speak again soon. Bye, Stuart. Yes, I've left When Will I See You Again at home, and instead I'm going to play out with another Three Degrees classic. This is My Simple Heart. So from all of us here at the Witham Arts Centre in Barnard Castle, County Durham, we'll say cheerio.
Thanks for listening to In the Spotlight from The Witham, Barnard Castle's Community Arts Centre. Available on all major podcast platforms. So please give us a follow and leave a comment or listen online at www.thewitham.org.uk. We'll be back soon with another episode.